April 22nd, May 13th, June 3rd, June 24th. These dates ring any bells? Well, they might if you're an Ontario angler because these dates are all the different fishy openers we have across the province. Of course, these dates might vary depending on where you are, but here in southern Ontario, these dates are celebrated across tying tables far and wide. And with these dates fast approaching, see you later winter, Drift Outfitters and Fly Shop in downtown Toronto is the place to go to get ready for trout, walleye, pike, muskie, bass of the small and largemouth variety. Yes, Drift Outfitters has you totally covered for all your upcoming fishing needs. Stop by the store to chat with the experts themselves and learn about how to catch the fish you're after. Or shop online and enjoy coast-to-coast-to-coast shipping on all the best products. Find them at 199 Queen Street East in Toronto or online at driftoutfitters.com. That's driftoutfitters.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of SoFly. It is uh, February 1st. Uh, this show is coming out the 15th, but we actually have a new show out today, which is crazy, uh, with Matt. <laughs> so, I don't know. The schedule is all messed up because we're doing some, you know, pre-records, which is cool. Uh, getting a little more, uh, you know, a little ahead of things. Uh, but back recording another show. Super excited today to be chatting uh, about uh, some place that we really enjoy and haven't fished this spot yet, but really enjoy the state. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, of course, my name is Mitch. We've got Aldo. Hello, everybody. And uh, Yilma can't join us today because Yilma has a migraine, uh, which is, you know, feel better, Yilma. Uh, we're rooting for you. There's a thing that happens to Yilma. I don't know, soccer injury or something? I can't remember what it was, but it's uh, it's, it's no good. It's but that uh, big brain of his pushing up against uh, Yeah, feel, feel better, Yilma. Uh, but uh, super excited today to be chatting about something very fishy and fun. Uh, in 2014, author and angler Robert McConnell and his wife Ellen moved from their home in rural Pennsylvania to the bustling city of Houston, Texas. Robert traded chasing wild brook trout on creeks to going after fish Texas had to offer, which is, of course, a multitude of warm water fish species that live in the surrounding waterways of Houston. Uh, he found he enjoyed exploring more remote waterways, including those found in the piney woods of East Texas. He eventually went on, went on to write the second book in a local angler series about Texas waters. Of course, we had uh, the first book Aaron Reed on. This is the second book. Um, this one's called Fly Fishing Houston and Southern Texas. Uh, the book comes out February 7th and will be available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and especially shop, fly shops in Texas. Uh, but today, Robert is on SoFly. Robert, thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Yeah, we're super, uh, super stoked to chat. You know, it's... Uh, I mean, before we started recording, we were talking about how chilly it is up here in Canada. So just thinking about warmer, you know, fishing and warmer weather is getting yeah. kind of getting ja- get me jazzed. <laughs> yeah. The reason I asked you about it, though, is because we're actually, it's kind of cold down here. I mean, mm. Mm. cold with from what we're yeah, generally yeah. used to. But yeah, I was asking because I was wondering if you guys were just getting blasted by cold weather up there. But Now, is it the kind of cold that is worrying, kind of like a couple of years ago? Remember when it snowed in Texas and that was like, oh, that was... <laughs> That was craziness. <laughs> yeah, it's not supposed to get that bad. No. Um, okay, but, that's good. Uh, I think that's still in the back of everybody's mind. Yeah. I think they did get freezing rain up in Dallas and Jeez. and uh, north of Austin. So oh, wow. it's not good. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, relatively speaking, you know, Toronto 
it's pretty mild compared to the rest yeah. of the country, but um, but right now it's it's looking a lot like uh, Canada outside for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, mild to you guys though. It's still like winter right yeah wasteland yeah. everybody else <laughs> i was out there in a t-shirt today recycling some boxes and i had my big boots on i felt like a crazy person it was, it's like it's like minus 14 today and i'm just walking around in a t-shirt because <laughs> you weren't wearing <laughs> pants um <laughs> no, exactly the, uh exactly. i will say i was just kind of have this thought off the top of my head i think we've had you know we've had a lot of americans on the show um which is awesome um but i think disproportionately we've had more texans on than anybody <laughs> No I think right. I think because we've had like you know our buddies Matt and Joe, and we've been there a couple of times. We've had Alvin yeah. uh, Dido on the show, yeah. Aaron yeah. Reed, and uh, Aaron, now yeah. and now yourself. Yeah. Okay. We're, SoFly loves Texas. Is I guess what we're trying <laughs> to say. I mean, I, I think what, yeah. it's cool that there's such a huge fly fishing fishing community there. You know, I mean, what is the community like in in Houston? Because we haven't fished there, but is it is it you know is it big? Yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, it's, I wouldn't say it's like it's as big as Austin or as big right. as the communities around, you know, the Guadalupe, like the Guadalupe River gets so much attention um, yeah. just because it's the only, the only trout fishery uh, in Texas. So I wouldn't say it's, it's that big, but um, I mean, I was surprised, you know, coming from uh, Pennsylvania where they're is a, a community of, of trout anglers and, and fly fishermen to then coming down to Texas and thinking that it was going to be, you know, I was going to have no opportunities for fly fishing and then mm-hmm. seeing that there was just fly fishing all around me pretty much in any little ditch or, <laughs> or anything. Yeah, yeah. Since you mentioned it, this was a question I wanted to ask a little bit later, but I mean, yeah. were you like, were you nervous when you first moved? Like, were you nervous leaving... Cause I fish Pennsylvania <laughs> yeah. and it's amazing. Yeah. And like, were you nervous leaving those trout waters to, to, to fish warm water? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was, I mean, just, I think more so just from like the lifestyle change, you know, and I right. grew up right. in a small town and, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we, before we moved down here, we were living in a, in a small town too. Um, and so I think just knowing that we were going to move down to a fourth largest city in the country, yeah. in the United States was something that, yeah, I was a little apprehensive about, and probably the reason why we didn't make the move sooner, you know, uh, yeah. I just kept kind of pushing it down the road. Um, I work in uh, the oil and gas industry, and so Houston's like the energy capital of the world. Right, so of course. It seems like eventually people do their tour down in Houston, um, so yeah. <laughs> I was just kind of like pushing it off, pushing it off, and then we ended up coming down here, and I don't know. It's been great. Like we've really enjoyed our time in Houston. That's great. Yeah. So we were kind of treating it as like a, okay, we'll give it a two year thing or we'll give it a three year thing. And, and Mm -hmm. you know, if if we don't work together, if we don't jive down in the big city, we'll turn around and come back. I mean, our family's from Pennsylvania, so that wouldn't have been a problem, but so you're like born, born and raised in in Pennsylvania. Yeah. 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 So when you say that, uh, uh, that, you've had more Texans on the show. I can't actually claim that I'm a Texan because <laughs> right, right, <laughs> that's right. Cool. the rule. Or at least people that live in here. Texas, I guess. Well, we yeah, only had right, a right. couple of Pennsylvanians on the show. So, yeah, you know, yeah. Tim Camisa and now uh, yourself. So, oh, nice. yeah. 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 Why don't we, why don't we kind of just start there then? Like, how did, how did you get into fly fishing? I mean, Pennsylvania, it's like fly fishing, you know, the place yeah. to fly fish. So maybe it's kind of an obvious question. But. Well, I, yeah, but um, I, I got started late because um, I grew up in southwestern Pennsylvania. And that's like the coal country uh, part of the state. Mm. Okay. So like um, uh, there wasn't 
a lot of fishing opportunities when when I was growing up. Like the creek that was behind our house that would be the creek that we'd always go play in and stuff. My sister and I, uh, that creek was orange, you know, it just, we'd still play in it, you know, but it was just orange from, from AMD. Like just uh, polluted? Yeah. Abandoned mine drainage. Oh, wow. Just all the sulfur. Oh, no way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and now it's, it's great. I mean, they've really worked on that creek and actually, um, I think it was probably four years ago now, well, three years ago, I went back up there and brought my two weight just to, just See. like in the off chance that I would be able to catch fish out of yeah. this, what used to be an orange Creek. And, um, yeah, I was catching like bluegill and green sunfish and cool. And, uh, even caught like a little small mouth out of this once cool. polluted Creek. So it's rebounding. That's a cool story. Yeah, it's rebounding. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's coming aside. back. So yeah. it's super exciting. And a lot of creeks in PA are, are coming back. Um, there's another really gorgeous Creek called the black lick Creek. That was, you know, within 15 minutes from my house and yeah. and that is orange still but um they're building like a an active uh, treatment plant to actively pool the um i'm kind of getting off on a tangent contaminants but I, I, and I, whatnot I, well that's fine yeah, that's fine find it pod, interesting the podcasting's they, about you know <laughs> yeah they so they they drilled a hole uh, on the surface and they drilled down into the mine chamber which is flooded and oh. so when when the mine chambers you know prior to 19 like 79 or whatever coal companies could just mine and then they could just pack up and leave like just (laughs) like cave in the front of the the mine and just be like all right that's it walk away (laughs) yeah (laughs) and um so there was like a mine reclamation act that went in i don't remember the exact day but it was like 1980s or something like that and uh so so after that, they actually had to reclaim the mines and return everything back to uh, a more natural state before they had abandoned the, the area. Right. So there's all these mines like prior to the 1980s, which have, are just left abandoned. There's something like 5,000 of them. What? And, um, yeah, crazy. Tons, tons. And so there's um, – so this was like a, a, a abandoned – mine cavity that it just fills up with water over yeah. time and it just fills up fills up fills up and then it eventually just leaks out onto the surface <laughs> and so that's what was happening and like all these little uh rivulets and stuff like that were just dumping all this amd into the black lick creek and uh Jeez. so what they did is they drilled down into the mine itself right. and they pump that water straight up out of the mine mm-hmm. and they get it uh they treat it on the surface and then they yeah. put it right into the black lick creek and um uh, what's cool about that is, well, the, the, the idea, and they've done it on the West branch of the Susquehanna and stuff like that. But the idea mm-hmm. was that this cold water now gets dumped right into the black lake and it's fresh, cold water. Yeah. And so you actually like start getting a cold water fishery right huh. there. Right. So the, yeah. The idea is now that like, now it's know, actually giving back. It's like turning yeah. it into something better. Yeah. And it's like turning it into a smallmouth fishery or a, or a That's trout cool. fishery. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, dang, it's great that stuff like that's happening because it's like, yeah, like yeah. we've just like totally torqued, you know, like the earth, and then it's like now we're trying to fix it, and it's working in some yeah. cases, which is awesome. Yeah, it's like a, it's a definitely like a positive story that yeah, that's you know great. something to really focus on sometimes whenever you're like, oh man, this is happening, this is happening. Yeah, oh totally. no, we're all doing. There are then, there are good things yeah, happening too. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's a good so, thing to remember. Good point. Yeah. So I'm I'm just excited for that to go in, so that whenever I go back to visit my parents, you know, yeah. Give it a couple years and maybe we'll be yeah. fishing smallies and imagine brown 10, trout 20 years from now, you know, like yeah, it's going to yeah. be, it'll be great. Black yeah, Lick exactly. Creek is what it's called, you said? 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Blacklick Creek. What a cool uh, name. <laughs> yeah, Blacklick's one word, and then there's like the town of Blacklick, which is two words. So, right. um, but yeah, it's, so just like it, Crick, you know, like Crick is just a cool word. I just like that. Oh yeah, I call him Creek's actually, Crick, yeah. you know. <laughs> I think it is actually, you know, it is actually spelled Creek. I just Crick's Black cool, Lick, Crick. man. I'm with you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, with you. I'm totally, I totally dig that. Oh, that's okay. a good story. That's that's like yeah, that's positive. That's good. So okay, so you learn to fly fish. In Pennsylvania, you kind of grew up playing in Orange Rivers, and and then we're yeah, like... yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, sorry to get back to the oh, main no. topic at hand. Um, yeah, <laughs> I went to college for geology, and then um, yeah. uh, went up to northern Pennsylvania, and I was working for a gas company up there, and we just had like this really cool, you know, smallmouth fishery in the backyard, and yeah. and I saw I was conventional angling. I ran into a bunch of of I got a good group of buddies up there that you know they all like duck hunting and and uh, deer hunting and all this and so we all got kayaks and we would float the rivers the local rivers in the summertime fishing smallies and pike and stuff like that yeah. and then i'd kind of it was like a camping trip we went we're on a camping trip and i remember seeing this the the um like the brook trout restoration signs on all these hemlock trees that were along the along the creek and it was you know artificial lures only brook trout restoration area right. catch and release and um i had like a I think it was like a tiny little Shakespeare spinning rod, something like yeah. that. Um, and I just had like a rooster tail spinner. And, I, you know, you see restoration, this and that, signs everywhere. And mm -hmm. you just never expect to actually catch anything. And I remember throwing the rooster tail in like this riffle and just watching it bounce down. And this brook trout, those five inches or whatever, came out from this root wad and just ate the rooster tail. And I just cool. floored me. I, I couldn't believe it. And then, yeah. um, and then you know, I went home after the camping trip and was like researching online about about brook trout and native brook trout and how they're doing in pennsylvania and if they're coming yeah. back and then that kind of just led me down the road of oh people yeah. fly fish for this that seems like a lot of fun and then yeah i just got totally ate up by by blue lining for native brookies and then yeah. did that for for a solid summer where that's just all i wanted to do was just blue line for brookies and then and then through that, I got introduced to other guys that did the brown trout thing down in State College area and like on the limestone creeks down there, mm -hmm. and got connected with with them and and then yeah, I just started fishing more and more nice. for uh, trout and just fly fishing in general. Yeah, so your first fish was a trout, like a brick trout. Uh, on the fly rod, yeah, yeah, yeah right on. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty good it first was. fish. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah, it was a native too. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Right on. It's really cool. Yeah, a couple of years ago, I got to go fish State College for the first time, and I was like, or that 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 area. It was yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful area. Oh Just all God. those limestone creeks down in there. Yeah, that's something that's... we don't have up here. So that's and it's so close, relative. You know, re, you know. We gotta go. We gotta go. Like it's closer for, sure. for us to go to State College than most of the places we fish in Northern Ontario, and we fish Northern Ontario oh, really? a lot. So, yeah. you know, for us, okay. it's like about yeah. maybe four hour drive. So we can make a weekend. Oh, really? Make a weekend out we of doing? it. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, when you guys come down, do you go through? I cross it. Uh, we cross it like um, in, around Buffalo. Yeah. Oh yeah, sure. You probably drive right down through that the area that I was working in and fishing yeah, in. Yeah. When like you the... said northern, oh, yeah. uh, when you said northern Pennsylvania, I'm like, yeah, that's where we drive through. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. Warren. I lived in the town of Warren, which is yep. south of Buffalo by two hours. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. 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 yeah we kind of just follow that. Yeah, you're right. Like we follow that path i think i took like what is it i 80 
or I yeah, probably or like I for part of it, yeah. or something like that for part of it, and then just kept going down south, and then you get to state college. It's kind of funny yeah. that like such a massive college, Penn State, of course, is amongst all this fly fishing. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know, right? I did not if go I to was... college in a fly fishy place. So. Well, don't they have a fly fishing course you can take too? Like, yeah, they take... do, or at yeah, least they is... did. I know they did. I remember at one point. Right yeah, now. Joe Humphreys was teaching it. I think. Oh That's so man, sick. that would have been like, cool. Why didn't yeah. we go to that school? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what the heck were we doing? Yeah. Well, awesome. also, it's probably a good thing because I would have failed out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, that's cool, man. Okay, so does your wife fly fish? uh she says that in general she likes fishing okay yeah just kind of like eh, well, yeah she yeah. goes when you she goes for you kind of thing <laughs> yeah and it would be and when i ask her if she would be interested in fly fishing she says why would i take something that i think is just okay and then make it harder right so. <laughs> fair enough fair enough um okay well so you guys decided to make the plunge and move down to houston uh because of work what were your first like impressions of of you know going from a little city to the big city and you know it was out yeah because for yeah. for um for context for a canadian view you know houston's mm-hmm. actually pretty similar to toronto in population size so in fact it's almost identical i was reading up on it today and yeah. like the greater well, toronto area and i guess uh you know the greater houston area and all the suburbs are pretty much the same like toronto's well, just shy of three million that. and we're just shy of seven million with all of our suburbs so Oh yeah, that's pretty much like spot on with Houston. Yeah, wow. it's I didn't a big know place. You know, it's not a small city. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's just kind of like growing and absorbing everything around it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it was. I mean, it was quite the change. Just uh, I don't know. Getting down here, you like. I mean, even to this day, you're driving around. It's like white knuckling in traffic and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. So I mean, there was a lot of changes like that. That that um, that just we had to get used to but um on the fishing side of things i i mean i I didn't know what to expect really i I was kind of thinking okay i'm going to be fishing you know once twice a year whenever i have vacation whenever i do trips things like that um and that completely changed um when we came down here and uh i I talk a little bit about it in the book was the the eye-opening moment was i was pedaling my bike along a bike path and I saw cormorants, you know, in this ditch that were right yeah. next to the bike path and they're diving under and just pulling green sunfish up out of this ditch, like messes of them. And, um, this ditch was, you know, three feet wide or, and three feet deep, something like that. It wasn't big at all. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't believe like how many green sunfish these cormorants are pulling out. And, um, uh, so I just watched them and they flew away and I noticed that there was like a culvert in in the that protruded into this ditch, and I was thinking, well, if I was the green sunfish that escaped that, I would be hiding in that culvert. So yeah. then the next day, I came back with my three weight, actually my my brook trout rod, and mm-hmm. I just pitched like a royal wolf or you know whatever my, oh, cool. my brookie fly was that I had, and I just pitched yeah. that in there, and a green sunfish came out and ate it. And <laughs> then you know I messed around in that ditch, catching more green sunfish, and then that kind of yeah, that whole thing just kind of opened my eyes, and then I started. The you know, more I researched, like the more I found out that this wasn't a new thing. You know, there are guys that have been fishing down here for a long time and, and fly fishing. You know, uh, like Mark Marmon. He's a guy that's been guiding uh, fishing trips for carp since the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and wow. uh, you know, since other guys 80s. like Danny. Yeah, since 1980s. Yeah, because <laughs> he said that he was like um, uh, he would 
Europeans, you know, were fishing for carp on on uh, conventional tackle, and they were yeah. all into it. But he was a fly angler that would go down to the Texas coast all the time, right. and then he he went and fished one of the local uh, ditches, a cement line ditch, and started toying with these carp that were in this ditch. And um, and then he's just started like putting two to two and two together. Like, okay, a lot of a lot of Europeans come over to Houston for business, and then. If they like fishing for carp and I like fly fishing for carp, well, then maybe they would want to try and fly fish for carp with me. And so he was walking the ditches as a guide, like in the 1980s with, with yeah. clients. So, and there's like Danny Scarborough is like a, a guy that still guides down here for carp and, and bowfin and he, you know, bass, he does all kinds of, of guiding down here. So there was this whole community of, of fly anglers that, that, you know, because I wasn't looking and I hadn't, didn't have my yeah. eyes open, I had my blinders on thinking, it's oh, woe is me. Yeah, I'm going to be, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be. More trout. trout. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then just all of a sudden there's this huge fishery and it's, mm-hmm. I mean, not saying anything bad about my beloved brook trout, but like these creeks that we're fishing, I'm not just, it's not just a monoculture. It's not just yeah. brook trout or it's, uh, you know, yeah. in this case mm-hmm. it's. You know, it wouldn't, it's not, stuff. yeah, exactly. It's not just yeah. long ears. It's like, oh, okay, long ears, spotted bass, largemouth yeah. bass, warmouth. I mean, species of panfish that I'd never caught before in my life until moving down here, you know? And yeah. Now I'm catching all kinds of crazy stuff. So what, so yeah, like what are, like, what are the opportunities? Cause I mean, it's funny cause you say you, you, you took three weight, took like a trout, you know, like a Royal Wolf trout dry fly and basically fished like you would brook trout and you got into a sunfish, like, um, what are the fish that you're chasing down there and like the, the species and, and what are the tactics? Are they all kind of like fish and trout? Or yeah. Just boring, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, it's, that's, that's a good question because it's kind of like every species has a different tactic, but also yeah. every scenario has a different tactic too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, and like you might be fishing for carp in, um, like up on Lake Conroe or in one of the rivers and you fish for them kind of it's a bit different than how you'd fish for the ones that are on the the concrete flats, what we call the concrete flats right. down in like, <laughs> basically down downtown Houston kind of. And it's just carp flat, like carp concrete flats. You just go out. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So cool. that's, I mean, yeah, well, we can talk about that. Like that's one yeah. of the, that's one of the species that, um, that gets yeah, a lot carp. of attention down here. It's like an urban, it's an urban fishery basically. Yeah. And it's, it's grass carp. Um, and yeah. so cool. kind of what, what the fishery is like is it's a cement line ditch that has, um, an apron. It has a concrete apron along the sides that the water flows over. Maybe, I don't know. There's a picture if you're watching on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a picture. And like in that, in that concrete aprons, maybe two feet deep, something like that. Uh, one foot in, in some places. Yeah. And so, um, and then in the middle of the channel, there's a real deep channel. So probably four feet deep, something like that. And it's cement mm-hmm. lined all the way. And, um, so what will happen is you'll get like an algae growth up on that apron and there'll be cracks and things like that up on the apron and gravel will roll in there and then you right. get bugs in there. And so yep. what these grass carp will do is they'll be hanging out in that real deep channel and then they'll move up onto this shallower concrete apron or what we call the concrete flats. And mm-hmm. then they'll kind of fin in the in the current cool up on that flat and they'll be just picking off like algae and stuff that's floating downstream or picking off um uh bugs that get kicked up and um yeah you can um 
when the opportunity arises and you can see that they're feeding on or near the surface, you can pitch a dry fly in there and catch them on a, on a dry fly. What? Um, That's yeah. crazy. Carp yeah. on a dry fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, because I know the question sounded like, do you use different tactics for different fish? It's like, well, no shit. You know, if you catch bass, <laughs> you're not going to fish it. Like, you would a dry yeah. fly trout. It's like... But like you're saying, like you go out and fish carp with dry flies, like that's crazy. I never heard of that before. That's yeah, awesome. yeah. I mean, it's it's a wild fishery. Uh, like Danny Scarborough caught, I think it was a 16 pound carp. It was you know pushing 30, if not, I think it was 32 inches, and he caught that on a dry. That's awesome. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, and like um, there's a guy who writes for for uh, Hatch Magazine, and you know he's written a couple books. His name's uh, Chris Hunt. He was down here um, fishing, and I, I took him to to the Concrete Flats and. He like brought up out his his fly box and he had it's like a size twelve you know caddis or something like that I forget what it was and he was like I think this will work and he pitched that in there and I think he the first one he hooked oh no it, it floated by and like the carp came up and it just ate so slow it just came up and just did it's like yeah. you know just they're so lazy they're just used to yeah. getting everything that they that yeah. they eat in that water and he just ate it so slowly that that chris was like so jazzed up that he just pulled the fly right out of his mouth yeah. and then um <laughs> right. and then he was like oh my gosh i can't believe that that carp just came up <laughs> and ate that like a trout and then he tried again and of course he hooked it the next time or another cool. another carp but yeah i mean so there's opportunities like that that's in within like the 610 loop what people consider you know real metropolitan yeah. area skyscrapers and stuff in the background yeah and then um uh fish for carp there there's catfish in there tilapia in there and then oh, cool you got you can move outside of the city and then that's kind of when you get into what what i refer to in the book as the piney woods so when you go north of the city by about only an hour it's something like 50 60 miles yeah. north of the city that's when you can fish for spotted bass largemouth bass um six different species of, of panfish, um, you know, that you can yeah. fish for all those. And then I do address in the book, um, uh, two l- lakes <laughs> that are in the area. So Lake Conroe is one of them and, and Sheldon lakes, another one. And, um, you know, that's TPWD text parks and wildlife. Um, you know, they put uh, Florida largemouth in both of those oh, cool. lakes. So they get, they get big. And then big both of those lakes have populations of both in, um, yeah. Lake Conroe has a, has a bunch of different species in it as well. Um, you know, freshwater drum, um, uh, gar, um, spotted gar. Um, yeah, big red ear sunfish, bluegill. So there's all kinds of, of fish species. Is there any pike or muskie or anything like that? No, there's no pike or muskie, but actually it's funny you mentioned that because this year was the first year that I caught another uh species in the essex genus and that was a redfin pickerel oh um, oh cool. cool yeah it's uh well, redfin i from what i've been researching it's some people call it a redfin and then some people mm-hmm. call it a grass um yeah. they uh the redfin is like a sub they they tried to break the, the redfin out as its own species from the mm-hmm. from the um, oh wow grass it looks pickerel. like a kind of looks like a musky with redfin yeah but they they're small yeah. they're like super small like um, really tiny. Eh? Yeah. I thought those were just babies, but like those are like that's how big they are. Yeah, like that's how like the one I caught I think was weird. you know seven inches something like that. That is so cool. Yeah, that's so weird. I've never heard of this fish. fish. 
No. Yeah, so that cool. the, I caught one this year. That's the first one I ever caught, and it was like Lake Conroe. We were up uh, messing around fishing some of the the back bays, um, kind of wading in the water, and we were actually trying to see if the white bass were starting to run up in the tributaries. And I just pitched my fly back in one of these tributaries, and that thing came out and ate it. <laughs> you imagine being a fish and being born in the Esox like family, and it's like. Oh my God, like the most predatory, like badass, huge fish. And you're like, oh no, I'm a redfin pickerel. <laughs> you're like, you like swimming through the water, yeah, you know? Yeah. Could be a 45 inch musky, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Yeah. You're That's going cool. after dragonfly larvae when you can yeah, exactly, be eating yeah. bass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Watching your tail for sunfish. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Uh, that's really cool. Like, that's, it sounds like a really diverse um, fishery. And then, of yeah. course, you also have alligator gar, too. As well. Yep. Yep. Oh, yep. Yeah. Alligator gar. Mm-hmm. Um, Very I, cool. I have caught. Wild. I've landed specifically a single alligator gar. <laughs> you know. Cool. Um, but uh, they're just. I don't know. They're there is. Sometimes they're there and sometimes they're not. You know. Right. I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they're they can live in brackish water too. So I mean, we've toyed with them down. Uh, you know, in the, in the estuaries and things like that and wow. the, on the Texas coast, uh, mm-hmm. you'll just see them there sometimes. And then a month later, they won't be there anymore. Or maybe they are there. They're just kind of what a weird doing yeah. guard cool things fish. someplace else. Cr- like they get huge, eh? Like Houston, oh, yeah. get some big ones. Yeah. 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 The Houston gets, gets massive ones, especially in, um, yeah. in, in the Trinity, which is just East of the city. And then, I mean, there's a whole group of guys that fish, conventional mm-hmm. tackle with with bait um for them in in the city like they're down with like downtown houston looming in the background and they're they're out Good there Lord. on their john boats and stuff like catching yeah. decent decent sized alligator gar i mean i'm just googling it right now these fish are like 300 pounds yeah they can get massive <laughs> i think the trinity river record is over 200 pounds what isn't so yeah. crazy yeah <laughs> These fish are really cool looking. I mean, they kind of look like an Arab pimer or something. Yeah, I could see. Yeah, I could see you know why I mean? you'd say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you forget how close. Well, maybe you don't forget it because you live there, but like I often forget how close Houston is to the coast. Yeah, yeah, it's right there. I mean, it did get That's hammered right by a hurricane, you know, uh, not, yeah. not yeah. that long ago. So yeah, yeah, it's right there. And actually, that was kind of one of the things that was what was. A little bit different about this book is that um you know so much of of fly fishing in in texas and especially houston is is the coast of course yeah um, right you know it's going down to the coast get on getting on your skiff and like blasting out to the flats and and fishing mm-hmm. in some of those marshes and stuff back there mm-hmm. um right because you've got trinity bay east bay i'm seeing here like some big big water yeah yeah exactly and then and i mean a lot of people drive further south you know to um, Port O'Connor and, and that, I mean, that's, that's an easy drive. Um, but what I kind of wanted to do with this book was that I kind of just wanted to write it so that like me, you could show up not really knowing anything and just grab a fly rod and half a dozen flies and be able to catch fish in the ditch right out in your backyard. You know, you don't need, you don't need to, to get a skiff, uh, or you don't need to, you know, yeah, there's definitely get, nothing accessible a about a seventy thousand yeah. dollar boat, you know. So there's yeah, something yeah. said about. Well, and I mean, you're fishing the ocean at that yeah, point too. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like the flats and stuff. It's like, and that's yeah, all red fishing stuff. Right? Yeah, it's daunting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, that's yeah, that's kind of what I just wanted to do with, yeah, with this cool. book was just make it so that just 
don't sell a three weight if you move down here from Pennsylvania or <laughs> yeah. wherever. There's more to Houston than, you know, going to the coast and looking for redfish. Yeah, yeah exactly. Cool. Exactly. So obviously you had to do a lot of exploring to write the book. Um, did the book take you to places that you didn't know about or, or I guess is oh, maybe yeah. there's a better question there where it's like, what place surprised you the most? You know, like yeah, while you're absolutely. writing the book, you're like, yeah. holy, like I always heard about this river or whatever, you know. Um, yeah, I, and definitely for me, it was the urban stuff. It was like like uh, the concrete flats, um, just getting down in the city, fishing that stuff. That that surprised the heck out of me because up until that point, I was always leaving the city on the weekends when I wanted to go fishing. I was driving mm-hmm. north, you know. I was mm-hmm, going yeah. to the lake to escape the people and escape the traffic and find the tranquility, you know, walk along the creek and not run into anybody, not see anybody. Yeah not listening to traffic. And so when I went to explore more and understand more about the concrete flats, I was kind of like, Oh man, this is going to be okay. It'll be fun, you know, to get in there and see what it's all about. But I didn't really like have high hopes that I would like it. But then when I got in there, I was like, Oh, this is a lot of fun. Like yeah. I could definitely see why people would get into this. Cause you're, I mean, you're the chances are when you catch that carp, it's going to be a, a double digit you know, it's going to weigh double digits. Oh, it's just amazing. Right. Yeah. And it's, and especially the ones that live in like the, the concrete line ditches, they, they don't let a meal go by. They're, you know, <laughs> they're voracious. So, and you, you fish them a little bit differently than, than you do when you think of like fishing a spooky common carp out on like some river or some lake somewhere um, where you're kind of like, putting the fly out in front of them, maybe, yeah. you know, stripping it in, into their feeding lane, if they're feeding something like that, maybe wiggling it a little bit to try and get their attention. These are grass carp. And a lot of times their, their mouth is positioned more to the front. And so they're right. eating stuff a lot in the water column. And like you put, you put a fly on their face and like uh, Joe Mills, who's a local, a local uh, fly angler in, in Houston and Danny Scarborough. Um, they both were taught me this, that you like, put that fly almost right on their nose. I mean, if you, if you hit him in the face and spook him, like, don't worry about it. Cause there's plenty more fish to also go after. But also that fish that you spooked is probably going to come back like 10 minutes later and be in yeah. that same spot. And, um, uh, so you just like try and hit them just right out in front of their, their face and they'll move to it. And a lot of times they're like a goofy fish. So a lot of times, you know, they'll miss it or they'll, They'll like kind of give up on it. They'll go for it and then be like, "Yeah, it's too much work." And you know, then you yeah. just pick up and throw it to him again. Yeah, That's yeah. super cool. Yeah, yeah, aggressive yeah. Carp. it's a lot yeah. of fun. I've yet to even hook a carp. I have tried, and because yeah, yeah. it's always been that scenario where I've always Tough. always spooked them. Um, yeah, not, I can't say I've gone after them a lot of times, but yeah, to your point, that 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 has been in my experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there there are definitely opportunities for those super picky carp. Also, you know, the ones that that you hear so much about. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, yeah. there's there's populations of them in Lake Conroe. I mean, they're everywhere. I've I've found them in the West Fork of the San Jacinto, and and you, I mean, yeah, they're they're everywhere. So you'll you'll run into them throughout, and they're just they're a lot different than fishing the ones on the concrete flats. It's just crazy, you know. It's yeah. just concrete, it's yeah, almost like they're totally bit. different. Yeah, probably easy waiting. I mean, that's kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, what made you want to write the book? 
Yeah, I um, a lot of it was was to just show that that Houston isn't this like there, there's a rap that Houston gets about how it's like the city that you go to and you work at and you go out and eat at fancy restaurants and like that's what you do in Houston and then you leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, sounds a lot like Toronto. Yeah, yeah, or Toronto's yeah, think, Toronto's rap is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. It's like yeah. There's no nature, right? Like there's no yeah. wild, yeah. And so it was, you know, it was kind of like to to show that I mean, yeah, this isn't going to be some, you know, mountain town um that you're going to be fishing trout in the crystalline beautiful waterway uh but Yeah, it's a different vibe. Yeah, exactly, but you can still do the things that you want to do. You just yeah. you kind of have to like take it as it comes and and who knows like you're going to be able to to catch way more species than you ever thought you could catch had you just only been fishing for trout up in the yeah, Rockies or whatever. Sure. And yeah. so it was, it was kind of that aspect of it to say like, you know, it's, this is here, have fun doing it while you're here. Um, yeah. and on, on top of it, you're just going to add like a ton more species to your species list. Yeah. If, if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, that was, that was, I don't know. That was kind of the reason for it, you know. Just, no, it's cool. Yeah, no, cool. I, I mean, it's just it's a big undertaking, you know. So it's just like, wow. Like, yeah, what, yeah. Like you're like, I'm gonna write a book about this place, you know. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it's special, right? Yeah, it it was a big undertaking, but I also loved it the entire time. Uh, so yeah. it just didn't really feel like work, you know. I mean, I mean, it was work, yeah, obviously, but like, you know, there'd be times where you know I'd come home from my actual job and then you know be like eat dinner or whatever, and then I'd be at my computer and five hours would go by and I would, I was just like writing to, you know, put this thing together and I just yeah. didn't even know it. But, um, uh, kind of to go back a little bit further from your original question, Mitch, I, um, I, in 2019, I wrote a, a little book that I self published called fly fish in the Sam. Yeah. And that was, that was kind of a, a similar thing to, to this book where it was like right in the middle of COVID people weren't flying anywhere. I had a bunch of little creeks that I had written down in a, in a outdoor journal and yeah. I just went out and started uh, exploring them more and then writing about it. And um, that was, that, that came at a good time to just say, you know, we're, we can't travel. We're not, we're not going to New Mexico. We're not going to Colorado. We have to stay here but we can still fly fish and, mm-hmm. um, and we can fly fish with our trout rods, <laughs> you know, we can fly, yeah, fly yeah. fish with our three weights. Um, and so, you know, through writing that book, then I got, that, that's how I got connected with Aaron Reed, um, right. who was the editor for fly fishing Houston. Um, right. and so, uh, you know, then he, he was a guy that kind of approached me and said, would you want to work yeah. on writing a, oh, okay. a gotcha. more oh, cool. comprehensive Houston book? Um, uh, and then, yeah, for all the same reasons that I wanted to write fly, fly fish in the Sam, I felt yeah. like, yeah, if I'd write, I'd write fly fish in Houston for the same reasons. That's cool. That's, really cool. That's cool. Um, man, you know, while we're on the topic of the book, I mean, let's talk about it for a while now, but like, yeah, what was the book about? Or like, I guess the, we know what the book's about, but maybe how is it, um, how's this information like structured and organized just for everybody listening? Yeah, yeah. So um, if if you if you saw Aaron Reed's book, um, uh, Fly Fishing Austin and Central Texas, the the format of my book 
is the exact same as Aaron's. So they took that format and they call it like the local angler series mm-hmm. and they're working on other yeah. books for, for, or for, um, for Texas. Um, yeah. but so what we did is we, or what, you know, Aaron, Aaron was a, came up with this Aaron and, and, uh, Imberfex books, they, they kind of came up with this idea. So what yeah. they did though, is they, is they took, um, sections of a, of a river or a watershed and they called them wades. And then they describe a wade in fairly great detail. I mean, they, 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 they do that so that it's not like a daunting procedure to get to the water and then to figure out, you know, like get halfway, you know, 200 yards into, into the water and realize I can't wade this anymore. I need a canoe or something like that, you know? So, uh, he was fairly, (laughs) yeah, exactly. So he was like, he's fairly detailed in what to expect in the wade, but then also at the same time, it's like, then you leave a lot to the imagination and plenty more to explore. Um, so it's not like he's given away everything, but, um, uh, so that's how the book is structured. It's, it's, you, you focus in on the wades. So a, a, a wade description and, um, uh, for my book, the first half of it, after the all the intro stuff, um, is the Piney Woods. So everything pretty much north of the city. Um, so that includes a lot of little creeks, um, uh, some medium-sized river, rivers, and uh, Lake Conroe. Okay. And then you know we kind of we, we break it up with that at the beginning and then midway through, then we talk about like the legality of accessing streams, which is pretty right. important in Texas because we don't have that much public land. Oh, okay. um, right. But what's nice is that our streams and our rivers, as long as they're navigable um, by definition, you yeah. they're open to the public. So oh, okay. if you can get into them, then you're pretty you much, you're golden. Welcome, yeah. yeah. Cool. And so, um, so we go into that in the middle and then I go into a little bit more of like the ethics of fly fishing, proper fish handling, stuff like that. And then the yeah. second half of the book is so the urban stuff. So that's like when we get into the city and we start, um, you know, looking at concrete flats and there's another lake that I, that it, that's kind of in the city limits, um, that's open, open to the public <laughs> for fishing. And, um, yeah, so I kind of look for, focus more in on the urban stuff in the second half. I mean, it, it's cool. pretty cool how it's broken up. Like, what I like about the book is not only, you know, for example, I'm on the the page or the section on the east fork of the San uh, Jacinto River. Yeah. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, locals call it the uh, San Jack, but yeah. The San Jack. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, just easier than, than San Jacinto, you know, just San Jack. <laughs> I like it because, like, you know, not only does it break down the river and, you know, um, some information about the river and maybe, you know, a little bit of the history of the river and what to expect and what's around it, what's in it. Yeah. You've also got like, you know, a brewery recommendation at the end of it. So it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I think for anybody who lives in Houston or visiting Houston, I think what's cool is like, you can kind of like plan a day around each one of these little pages, you know, like you can like, now that I know, yeah, that, you know, where these fork is, I'm like, Oh, Hey, I can go fish this. I know what to do. And then, you know what? I can get a beer after it. And that sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah, thanks, like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's it's kind of like, you know, you can really easily plan like a day trip, you know, you can day trip, you can take this whole book and just make a whole summer out of day trips. Yeah. And, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right, man. That was kind of the, yeah, the idea of it. It's like, this is here, let's use it, yeah. you know, make a day trip out of it, make a weekend out of yeah. it, you know, and, and a lot of those breweries are trying to put them, uh, like the, the, the ones that I, I really like going to, mm. I tried to make them like 
dog friendly slash don't care if a muddy angler shows up right you know yeah. Uh, yeah. kind of thing wait waiter um, friendly if you yeah, yeah, need, exactly. if you even need yeah. waiters and i'm sorry you probably time. don't <laughs> yeah we're like well now you need waiters but yeah. uh yeah yeah and um i, I kind of picked them where you'd be coming back to the city just you know because I'm, I'm living the, in the city now. So it's like, okay, yeah. you're driving back on that main road, uh, that main interstate, you know, what's a good brewery to hit. And yeah, yeah. So you can just hit that on your way home. So is fishing good like year round, like in Houston then? Like you mentioned, it's kind of chilly now. You'd need waders, but can you fish all year? Yeah, you can fish all year. Um, you would need uh, waders because now's like the white bass run. So oh, I see. Um, uh, every, every year, uh, Usually in like around this time yeah. into March, April, um, uh, what happens is the the a lot of the temperate bass in the area, which we got white bass and yellow bass. Yellow bass are, are native to this area, which is neat. That's another species that is pretty cool that 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 yeah. you can catch in the Houston area. That's native to like the eastern half of the state. Um, Mitch, I see the yeah. the white glow of a Google. Uh, Google yeah, page. Google <laughs> yellow <laughs> bass. Yellow yeah, bass. yellow I'm bass. Like, what yeah. the heck is yeah, that? I, I was yeah, going to say cool. the same. It's like a little striper. Yellow bass. Yeah, they're it just yeah, looks like a, related. Yeah, yeah. it's all cool. like the true basses or the the temperate bass. Cool. Um. So yeah, like night, right now is the is the beginnings of the of the white bass run, and so so where do they run from? So they're usually in like reservoirs or big bigger bodies of water you know yeah. um, they'll be in the trinity too like because uh, the trinity is a massive river and they'll like run up in the tributaries what? Um, yeah uh, yeah and so that's like usually when that's the fly anglers cool. go after them so that's wicked that would yeah, be a, a cool thing the, to film the bass run fuck the steelhead yeah. run the bass run that'd <laughs> yeah. be so cool I, actually it's <laughs> yeah. funny that you say that because like coming from pa the the way texans treat the white bass run is exactly how like people treat the steelhead run in Pennsylvania right. or right. I'm sure it's like Toronto too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's like, okay, the bass are running. Let's go. Like, like let's go. You yeah. know, yeah. right yeah. now it's you get hard your gear, cold weather gear. You go down to the river. And yeah. Yeah. Right now it's hard because we've gotten so much rain, um, mm, in January, right. uh, just stuff is blown out. I right. was yeah. just emailing a guy the other day, like, uh, one of the guys that's the part of the Texas Fly Fishers Club, and he, he's like wanting to get a group together, yeah. and he just he can't find any water that's not blown out right now. So, right. Yeah. Um, so Way you kind of yeah, you got to deal with that. But um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, the, the white bass run is a lot of fun. I mean, they yeah. they come running up in the creeks, and if you find like a hole, you know, you can generally fish in that hole for a long time and uh, just pull some bass out, and then. Move on it's to the like next fun, hole in that same thing. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah. And what's cool about that is that you get, like I was saying, you get the white bass, but you also get the yellow bass, and then you get crappie, too. You get, like, white crappie run up with the white bass as well. I was going to say, the, yeah. the yellow bass was reminding me of a crappie a bit. Yeah. It does kind of look like that. Yeah, they're really tall like that. Yeah. Again, again yeah, like, yeah. Mitch mentioned, I think before we started this call, we're both from Ottawa, which is... You know, we we we, took, we mentioned that a lot on this show <laughs> that it's a warm water <laughs> fishery, but anyway, yeah. just, to, just to re reiterate, like oh, there's oh, there's there's black and white. Crap. Do you know what's weird? I've never yeah. caught a. Oh crap. man, I caught I've never a caught. Ton. What's with that? How I mean, have I never caught the a? Crap? Ottawa, the Ottawa River is a huge river that runs right through the city, and it's just kind yeah. of everything in it. And yeah, um, well, no trout, 
But um, no white bass. I mean, dang, no white bass. But there are white there bass. are crappie that's cool. in there. That's uh, black yeah. and white. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what it was reminding me of. Very cool. Oh, that's cool. Yellow that's cool that they're both bass. in the river. Like the um, yeah. The, for whatever reason, in the creeks we catch a lot of of white crappie, and then in the yeah. reservoirs we catch more black crappie. Right. I don't know if it's just because right, right, TPWD right. stocks uh, the black crappie in in the yeah, reservoirs yeah. more than the white, but yeah, yeah. it's interesting. So you know. Uh, just while we're on the topic of native species and the, you just kind of brought up stalking, um, what is the kind of uh, the lay of the land when it comes to, you know, native versus stalking versus like, uh, like, are these rivers, do people care? Like, do you get the sense that people care about these rivers or do they care about them more now than ever before? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um I mean, again, I know you moved there in 2014, so you know that might. I'm not. I'm not asking you to dig into the 1900s here, but oh, no, no, no. Recent history, no, I, mean, I should say. Yeah, I guess to answer the first, the first part of it. I mean, there's a lot of places that 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 do get stocked. Um, uh, Lake Conroe, you know, they they dump uh, Florida largemouth in Lake Conroe, so that's that is a non-native, mm-hmm. um, but there are native largemouth to the area. Um, so in a lot of like the, the creeks and things like that, they've never been stocked. Those are all, those are all fish that, I I mean, in the off chance, well, not in the, even in the East Fork. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a chance that you could get, you know, fish running up, um, all the way. Like for instance, like, uh, white bass, a lot of those are stocked. Um, they'll stock them in the reservoirs and then whenever they get mature, they'll run up in the, in the creeks. Um, so yeah, there is stocking, but there's also a lot of natives, and a lot of the creeks do have natives uh, in them, like the East Fork of the San Jacinto. Um, that one, to my knowledge, hasn't been stocked. Um, the largemouth that you would catch in there would be the native species of largies. Um, the spotted bass, which they're kind of near and dear to my heart, they're s- spotted bass are kind of like our what we would consider like our native creek dwelling blue lining. Uh, fish so like okay. if you go up and you're fishing you know one of the small blue lining streams of the piney woods and you've been catching small panfish all day like a bunch of long ears and then all of a sudden you get your fly gets just get hammered by something and you think it's like this massive thing because you've been catching long ears all day and then ends up being like a pound spotted bass which is still a good spotted bass but like that like that spot of bass is probably the tiger shark of like that whole (laughs) section you know yeah and um uh so like that's another super cool native fish that that i've just grown to love because it's it's like the style of fishing i like to do and they're just an awesome fish and they're a blast to catch and they're bug eaters you know so they'll hit top water and they'll hit like a, a dropper that you hang off of a of a dry you know they'll they'll eat that and then they'll eat a clouser minnow too so amazing they're just whatever um but yeah, I mean, like, I think, I think there, there are obviously the fly anglers care a lot about a lot of, of, about the water. Um, you know, there's, there's guys that I know that have called in stuff that they've seen out, especially urban stuff, you know, have called in to the, um, to the, uh, environmental, um, I forget the acronym for it, but Texas's environmental department, like called in fish kills, called in spills, things like that. Yeah, so there's, great. there's guys that do, awesome. that do really care about the waterway. And people are monitoring. Yeah. But also like a lot of Houston's, whether they know a lot of Houstonians, whether they know it or not are directly connected with the water and do 
care about it in some way because our right. drinking water comes from Lake Houston, um, which right. is, you know, West Fork of San Jacinto flows into Lake Houston, East Fork of San Jacinto flows yeah. into Lake Houston. All these other smaller creeks are there. It's all these yeah. creeks that we love fishing, all that stuff, you know, and then they flow into the reservoir of Lake Houston. And then from there it gets pumped into our water supply. So, right. um, you know, so people are pretty like aware of like the, like as a resource, but also yeah. just like of water. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's they're, cool. they're aware of it. I mean, to an extent, you know, I don't know exactly sure. how aware, but, uh, they're aware of it enough that, you know, they're as, you know, it's important. Yeah, exactly. And like, or as, <laughs> as, um, more and more people move to Houston. Mm -hmm. I know that yeah. the city itself is already looking at water resources in general, and yeah. they're already like kicking around ideas of doing recycled surface water for municipal use. So, you know, now the industry, maybe you're not using Lake Houston water as much because we need that for drinking. You're going to be using the recycled water that gets collected in a, um, in the treatment plants from the runoff yeah. before it gets put back into the water yeah. cool. um so yeah they're they've already thinking about that that's the city in general is yeah because i mean it's a challenge yeah. of any growing city is like how do you yeah, exactly how do yeah. you keep um well how do you keep your water clean yeah and uh you know hopefully this inspires people to get on the river uh yeah 100%, because yeah, yeah i mean you know rivers need friends water needs friends because eventually it all affects us anyway so yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely i don't see how you know I know Aaron got a lot of got uh, some flack for writing that book, but uh, yeah, but yeah, uh, but um, you know, and I expect you too. But you know, the spot burn police. But uh, I I don't I, I don't especially we don't really we get don't really get that personally, thing. especially maybe because we live in an urban area and our resources yeah. are abused a lot by not yeah. only individuals but industry and honestly sometimes yeah. the the city of Toronto itself. So like, <laughs> oh, I think you know we try Hamilton Ham too. Come on, Hamilton, get your shit together. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know. I think having angling groups and anglers inspired to like go on these spaces, like you said, I think sooner or later you walk these rivers enough. Once if you see a fish kill, or if you see some like like you said to yourself, like even going back to your childhood, like an orange stream, it kind of is concerning. Yeah. And people do tend yep. to whistleblow now, which is great. And yeah, uh, yeah. that's uh, yeah. I, I don't get the spot burning thing, and you know, well, you know, Rob, we're we're in your corner. So if people are, <laughs> people so. are giving you <laughs> shit, you know? well, I mean, yeah, and, and you're right too, Otto, with like the fact that it, it's it's fly anglers. I mean, they're yeah. they're some of the most conscientious sportsmen out there, in my opinion. You know, they're yeah, they're they're the guys that that care a lot about the 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 resource and. Totally. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, the, this book is for fly anglers. It's 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 for people to to show them here's the resource, uh, enjoy it. But you know, yeah. we're all stewards. We're all going to protect it. Mm -hmm. Why would we want to? Well, yeah, like, we, we need to get more people to think that way because like you can't hide a river. Yeah, like, what are you trying to hide it? Yeah. Like, what are you? It's just in the world. Like, you're trying to hide I, it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Why don't you just teach people to like it and care yeah. for it? You know, and like let's foster yeah. like. Uh, Better yeah, rules man. and I, laws I, and I, stuff. I couldn't you agree know? more. The spot burn thing is so. It's like, what is your what is your end goal to defeat the internet? Like, I don't think that's gonna. I don't think that's gonna happen. So, yeah, yeah, let's yeah, work exactly. On and like hundred percent. 
what are you and, and you're worried about spot burning long ear sunfish spots i mean <laughs> yeah yeah okay <laughs> yeah for sure That's i awesome. mean i would love to meet the guy that would be that hardcore about catching long ears there's probably <laughs> you, there's probably you'll meet them yeah that's cool nah, that's no, it's cool i think it's great i think it's really cool i mean like i think people forget too like we, i grew up and i worked in a fly shop you know in my teens and i would love reading um east you know there was that that series of of magazines um yeah, yeah. you know like eastern fly fishing western fly fishing so oh, and true, like yeah. that was all this kind of not to this extent of course but like they would always yeah, right. pick a few rivers and communities yeah. to talk about Highlight. and how to access yeah. them and where to go that was just part yeah. of that was a whole what the whole magazine was based around was was kind so of spot in a way yeah, it was like yeah, the magazine way, yeah. existed to burn spots but like yeah. um but not in a bad i don't think in a bad way it it, it inspired it definitely inspired me like even just yeah. in my own head like sitting at home dreaming about oh one day maybe i'll go fish this you know or i hope i get to be in that kind of scenario i think they're inspiring i don't yeah yeah i completely agree with you yeah. and also to go into uh, into that um uh more there's a uh, Chris Johnson, who owns Living Waters um, Fly Shop in, in Round Rock, you know, he he kind of put um, Brushy Creek, which is a, a creek north of Austin, mm-hmm. he kind of put that on the map in terms of, of a fly fishing creek. And um, uh, since he's since he's started promoting that creek and getting more people fly fishing it, like they've they've he he's found uh where wastewater treatment plants weren't working properly and they were discharging uh sediment into this into the stream like he's identified that he's got people from the state to work on that um he um uh, with with texas parks and wildlife but um you know spearheaded by chris johnson like he banned cast netting Mm, um you know like basically the indiscriminate pulling out of any kind of species in brushy creek you know i mean you're supposed to put the the game species back but people don't they they don't know that a lot of times or they just don't care um so you know he got he got cast netting banned on brushy creek so now it's like you know it's a anglers creek you know Um, so yeah and it's it's all it's all fly fishermen doing that stuff yeah Uh, it's cool i know people people just you know you bring up a good point there um you know edgy what point am I trying to make here? The at least for us, our department of of you know our Ministry of Natural Resources here in Ontario, you know they don't there isn't a lot of education, you know yeah. there isn't um, we don't talk about you know it's like some people you see on the river like like uh, you know we run into people that are fishing for trout like we have seasons, I, I know a lot of places don't, <laughs> mm-hmm. but we can't fish for yeah. trout for basically like two thirds of the yeah. year, you know, yeah. and a lot of people just straight up don't know that because there <laughs> yeah. isn't anywhere yeah. telling them that you know yeah it's not like when you buy your fishing license you have to like read they don't even tell you like hey make sure to follow your law lo-. there isn't even that sentence being like hey i think some uh, people don't even know they need a that's what i mean you know so like i i <laughs> yeah, think uh, yeah. you know if we're talking about our own community like if the more we talk about spot like if i'm going this i'm, I'm trying to frame this in the spot burning yeah yeah i guess yeah you know, the, <laughs> I, you know, I think uh, that's when you like, you know, the, 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 you know, we have some streams around here around Toronto that are clear, you know, clean, cold brook trout streams still in a city of, of, nice. but if it's not, 
you know, every access point, you know, we have access points now. You can't just really go anywhere. And at each yeah. access point is posted. The rules are posted. But, oh, okay. you know, so nice. what point am I trying to make? I think, it, you know, it, it, eventually, you know, rivers get protected because people are on them. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It, they don't get they don't get harmed yeah. by people being on them. I don't think so. Like every river that seems to be a secret tends to get taken advantage of until people start yeah. paying attention to it. Yeah, I mean, as long as like the the masses are doing the right thing on the water, which again comes back to education. Yeah. And I mean, we're not saying like I don't know. We've talked about this so many times. We're not saying like go. We're gonna post on the internet every day. Like <laughs> go to this specific <laughs> rock pool and fish it now. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like. No. There's, a difference. There's definitely a difference, yeah, a difference yeah. between like, hey, maybe you could fish this river. I mean, fuck, that's not Yeah, no, not at all. But I guess well, yeah, I got all but, that to say is like, yeah, I think, you know, um, p- inspiring people to get on the river and that, that story yeah. you told about, you know, getting certain regulations banned because, you know, or more education because simply people just, it's not out there, you know, and it's certainly from an Ontario perspective, not put out there by the people that are supposed to be protecting it. So, yeah, I think resources yeah. like no, this are great, you know. And your book's awesome. And like, honestly, the fact, like, to your point, Aldo, like, if I was a kid and in, you know, uh, the bookstore back in yeah. the day when I was like really into fly fishing books and I saw one about, and I'm in Houston, I saw one about Houston. Like, that's if I had cool. this when I was six, <laughs> 16, 17, I had my bike cool. and my, like you said, my bike and my three weight. And especially in yeah. Houston where you don't need waders. This would be sick. You would just do this every yeah. weekend. Like, this is how we, I love so it. we grew up, you know, fishing upstate New York. I had a road map book. Oh, nice. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And I was oh yeah, like, for sure. That's yeah. how I found. That's how we found rivers. A yeah. map. Yeah, like a four foot by no, four no, no, foot no, no. Map. It was like a no, <laughs> no. It was literally a book like this, but it was just floor. a roadmap book. Side note: <laughs> Is this you on the cover? Because it's not Aaron Reed on the cover of the other book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is me. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay, okay. I mean, now that I'm looking at you, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, everybody, like we said, the book comes out. Um, February 7th. That's correct, so right? Keep an eye out for it. Yep. Okay, February cool. 7th. Uh, got it. Okay, good, good, good. good. <laughs> You're like, no, no. We're, no, just, throw, no, we're no. just throwing out random dates and hoping that it's right. No, <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. So uh, by the time this great. podcast airs, it'll you can go buy it. You can go buy the book. Um, okay, we got five more questions for you. We ask every guest at the end of uh, every show. And it's called Mitchie's Fishies Five. So it's like, uh, you know, I'm Mitchie. These questions are fishy in this five of them. So here we go. Uh, we're going to ask you them now. The first one is. If you had to pick a favorite fish, what would it be? What is your favorite fish and why? Okay. I knew that you're going to ask me this, but <laughs> I, it's, I, I kind of alluded to the spotted bass already as being like, you know, the native creek dwelling, super fun fish to catch an ultralight tackle. Yeah. That is definitely my favorite. But Danny Scarborough taught me about catching bowfin, and oh. um, that is – probably a close second just because of how much fun it is your site your sight fishing for them in super yeah. shallow water um they it's not you're not like bombing casts to them a lot of times it's just like dropping a fly in front of their face but they're right. they're like they're just the bad backwater predator they're like nothing faces yeah. them i mean they're they're, they're cool looking. yeah they're too. cool looking they're really inquisitive yeah. um yeah. they they don't mind like sloshing around and and you know, in fact, uh, Danny's talking about do, like intentionally sloshing something in the water because he read that 
they actually respond to that and he's he's yeah. done that and got them to come out of weed beds wow yeah to go see what they're curious yeah, they're and, they curious wanna, and yeah. like they know nothing's gonna touch them because they're so yeah. mean <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so that kind of sounds like bofin might be your favorite though you said it's number two but uh, yeah it's it's a toss-up it's a toss-up because i'm not i love bofin but i'm not that good at catching them you know um, yeah yeah anyway yeah Okay, I can dig it. I can dig it. Sorry for I mean, picking you know, two. Mitch, no, that's fine. That's okay. <laughs> Bofin's cool to hear about as a favorite fish because like we've never heard that before. I don't think that's pretty cool. Um, and of course, spotted bass, right? Is what yeah, you're saying? Yeah. Is, yep. is number one. Yep. I love a spotted bass. <laughs> um, okay, number two is if you could go anywhere in the entire world right now to fish, and you're, it's going to be the best time to go. Where would you go, and why? Oh man. Um, anywhere in the world. Yeah. I think I would go to South America and nice. yeah, and fish, you know, um, Dorado. Yeah. Yeah. Peacock bass, something yeah. like that. You know, uh, yeah. just damn. That'd now, be fun. I've, I've just developed a, a love for warm water fishing and just oh, stripping that's great. streamers. That's, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I just it. since. Yeah. I love bass fishing. Just, Warm water's cool. Yeah. It's like yeah. a different thing. And just the act, just like, like cool. the act of retrieve. It's like you don't get bored. Yeah. You know, you just want to, yeah, like throw big very streamers active, and yeah, strip them through the water. <laughs> yeah, Dorado man, Dorado would be Dorado would be, would be so cool. wild. Yeah, it's, it comes up all the time on the show too because everybody's just like, I want to catch a friggin' Dorado. Yeah, yeah. Like, you yeah. look at the water that they're yeah. in, and they're like, oh man, <laughs> oh, <I know>. mean <laughs> water, yeah. and they're just so gold and cool yeah. looking. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, okay, number three is what is one of your best fishing memories of all time? Um, I would say, uh, kind of, kind of recently. This is just one that that sticks in my my memory because of like how much fun it was, and it was kind of like that type A fun, you know, where where it's right. a little rough at the going, but then by the time you're done with it, you're like, man, I wouldn't have changed a thing. Um, right. Yeah. We recently Adventure. went up to um, Eastern Oklahoma. Uh, this was last year. Um, yeah, we went up to Eastern Oklahoma and we were fishing, um, the Watchtown National Forest, which people, when they hear Watchtown National Forest, they generally think Arkansas, but, uh, there's a part of it that extends over into Eastern Oklahoma and there's, um, uh, the Wachita Mountains actually come over in eastern Oklahoma too, and it's not a very populated area, and um, the rivers are pretty wild up there. Uh, like there's there's whitewater um, sections of whitewater up there that uh, aren't that well known, but it's like you know yeah. class four whitewater up there. Wow. And so we put in on one of the rivers up there, and we did a three day well two day float I guess um, uh, up there. And it was smallmouth bass um, is what we were going for. But, you know, there were largemouth. We caught largemouth, spotted bass, a um, bunch of um, uh, panfish as well. Um, that that was super fun, but it was really hard going. Um, we split it into two days. Some sections, there was just so many rocks in the water that we were just like portaging, you know, 100 yards or whatever, just yeah. moving our boats, just mm-hmm. getting on a boulder, picking them up, putting them on the other side of the boulder and just leapfrogging. Yeah like whole rock gardens and then you get into a pool and you'll be able to paddle this pool and there'll be like tons of smallmouth in it and like the water was clear and you could see these green sunfish in the weed beds down below and it was just yeah it was recently that was just one of those trips i'm like man i would love to go back and explore more of eastern oklahoma it's it's a it's a cool cool fishery 
I've never heard about it. So yeah, like Oklahoma. First time and actually, um, recently, I, I, I wrote an article for it, and it's it's on Hatch now. But um, yeah. it was a uh, the, right when we got back from that trip, there was a scientific paper that got published all about the black bass species in North America. And one of the things that they mentioned was that that whole corridor, western Arkansas, eastern Oklahoma, the smallmouth yeah. that live there might not actually be like the northern smallmouth that we that we think about whenever we think of smallies. Oh. They are kind of like in the same idea that that like a red eye bass, you know, in a certain waterway, that right. red eye bass, the genetics are secluded in that waterway and it becomes its own right. species. Interesting. They're, yeah, they did genetic testing on all these rivers up there, and they basically found out the same thing that that you know these smallmouth aren't exactly smallmouth. They're they're like a unique yep. type of bass. Yeah, they're 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 yeah. In fact, that's what Oklahoma the authors bass. say too, Mitch. They they say that like these shouldn't even be like the name smallmouth shouldn't yeah. even be in these at all. You know, it, it, right. they're uh, that's their own unique species. I mean, they look like that's a smallmouth. Cool. They got the mottled effect and on them and. You know, they're doing smallmouth things. They fight like smallmouth. Yeah. But, yeah, they're saying they're Thanks. genetically unique. That's cool. Yeah. Dang. Oklahoma. Yeah. And Western who'd Arkansas. Who would have thunk? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I dig it. Okay. Uh, very cool memory. It sounds like a nice, I mean, that's just like sounds like one of those days you think about all year, you know, like just yeah. <laughs> stoked to do it again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> number four, Midges Fishes Vibe, is why do you fly fish? You know, like why do you, what do you get out of it? Why do you go out? Uh, I, I get out probably what a lot of people say, just the, just the, that whole, like, you just forget everything, you know, you're just out walking a Creek, casting a fly rod that takes concentration. Um, and you just kind of, you forget about work. You forget about all those things while you're out on the Creek and, and it's just super relaxing. Just resets, resets you, resets you mentally, physically. Yeah. Yeah, it's like being a kid again. Yeah, you exactly. A field field day, just go look at frogs. Yeah, exactly. And catch bass. And yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. And like so many fishing, you know, quote unquote fishing trips, just develop into this like foray into ecology yeah. or you know, totally looking for reptiles, amphibians, turn logs over, or whatever, looking at what what's underneath. So, yeah, just you never know what's going to happen, but all that all that is happening is what's in that moment right there, and you just kind of yeah. live live in that moment for for that short time period yeah 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 well, that's cool i dig it um okay number five the final mitchie's fishies five is what fly pattern represents you best and why <laughs> if you were a fly what would you be oh man uh i would say <laughs> i'd say a clouser because it's easy to tie and it's there you go <laughs> it's uh it's simple i'm simple <laughs> yeah. it's uh yeah. you know you can fish it in all, all kinds of different scenarios you can you know dead drift yeah. it you can do whatever so it's it's you know it's kind of like you can fish it up in pennsylvania where i'm from and you know love the water up there yeah. to you can fish it down here to you know yeah. you can fish it anywhere i'm sure that my dream place in South America to fish for peacock bass. You, all those guys yeah. are going to eat clousers. Um, it's just, yeah, for sure. and then the other thing too, is like, I'm just a regular guy. So I feel like you could whip up a dozen clousers in a night and you know, yeah. that's uh, a, <laughs> I kind of feel like night. the same way about, about me too. I'm just like, 
I'm just like any other guy that, you know, you guys, like, I'm just like talking about fishing. I just like <laughs> being outside, yeah. you know, it's like we're all, all fly fishermen are, are like that. You know, they're just kind of like yeah. same, same dude. <laughs> I like it. Clouser. That's great, man. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. Uh, yeah. I mean, studied geology, you know, you've written some books, you're fly fishing bowfin. You're a pretty, uh, interesting fellow, Rob. Thank you, uh, for, for coming on the show. Oh today man. Thanks guys. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Um, awesome. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, um, really fun. you know, this is shameless plug time. So where can people find the book or your first <laughs> book? Uh, where can people find, um, your articles? Of course, we'll post this all in the, the show notes when the show goes live. Do you have um, Instagram? Yeah, Instagram? Anybody yeah, wants? Exactly. If you want people to follow good, good along, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, fly fishing the Sam at fly fishing the Sam is my Instagram page that I started when I wrote my first book, um, fly yeah. fishing the Sam. You can get that on flyfishingthesam.com or you can buy it on Amazon too. Um, either way, um, and then um, uh, fly fishing Houston and southeastern Texas, like you guys said, that comes out February seventh. Um, mm-hmm. You can buy that online as well. You know any any major book retailer is carrying it. Um, and we're going to be having it at uh, local fly shops here soon, hopefully. And, um, uh, also, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be traveling around doing, doing a, a couple of little like tying yeah. things and, and book signings, uh, in the yeah. near future. So you can just watch out for that. You can see that on Instagram and, and, uh, meet me there. And I'd love to talk, talk shop with with people so that's great come on by awesome wicked uh, and of course yeah we'll post like links to stuff in the show notes but yeah rob thanks so much for coming on the show man yeah guys oh thank you it's been a blast it's awesome Good talking yeah, thank to you, you so right. much and thanks yeah. for sending us Take uh care, man. the book yeah we'll love yeah, to, you got it 100%. you know we've got we've got some serious work to do mitchy in texas <laughs> oh, yeah, God, yeah. Next time you guys come down, if you make that connection in Houston, yeah, I mean that, yeah, that would be yeah. that would be yeah. fun. Or we just do that'd be really. You cool. know, we've got Austin and Houston to visit. We just rent yeah. an RV and fish all the waters in between. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I love it. All right, Rob. Thanks so much, man. Okay, guys. Know. Thank you. Today's episode is brought to you in part by the one and only Gills Fly Fishing International. Gills Fly Fishing International provides the destination angler with the best personalized trip planning and booking experiences possible. And they run FFI Magazine, an online fly fishing magazine with articles from your favorite fly fishing writers. The magazine is filled with tips, trips, and tight line stories to get you jacked for your next adventure out on the water. Visit flyfishinginternational.com to learn more. That's flyfishinginternational.com. Or head to ffimagazine.com to check out the magazine. That's ffimagazine.com. Today's show is brought to you in part by Chums. Yes, Chums, the makers of fantastic outdoor gear for guides, dirt bags, river rats, and weekend warriors. Chums has been crafting exceptional products since 1983, most notably including their eyewear retainers, which is how they got their start. Many of Chums' products are made in the USA, and they're all designed with adventure in mind. Head to chums.com to explore a wide range of products, including wallets, bags, phone dry cases, eyewear retainers in all kinds of wicked styles, and much, much more. Every time we hit the water, Chums is right there with us in the form of amazing on-the-water gear, and of course, keeping our sunglasses from sinking to the murky depths of the waters we fish. Head to chums.com to explore sweet stuff, chums.com. Best fishing story ever with Josh on the fly. 
Okay, so this one is about my first bull trout. So I'm in Fernie, right? This is my second second year there. So like the first year, the previous year, I went with my wife to Calgary and we kind of did like a little tour of, you know, the West, uh, like uh, just like the Rockies there. So, you know, we floated the bow and then it was really casual. Like, oh, it was great. We went to Banff and we did some whitewater rafting. And we kind of just like toured around and like did the Lake Louise thing and then we ended up in Fernie for like an afternoon and then uh, a full day after that and then which we did a float. So like ever since I saw it, um, that town, I'm like, I got to go back. Like the Elk River and that drainage is just absolutely fantastic. So the next year I returned with my buddy Matt and we're here in mid-July. So we... Um, like the way it works out there is like you have to ha it's called classified waters i think yes classified waters so you have to like pretty much plan out every day you got to pay 20 dollars and like that gives you like say the elk and the fording river and then you have all these other great rivers that kind of run into it and they're all like pretty world class like you got the michelle and you got to get passes for that and they're they're limited right so you really are limited with what you can um with uh, what you can get, like if you don't book it as soon as they come out, right? So, like the one day after like this story takes place is um, is a pretty well-known river for uh, bull trout, which is the wigwam. And like this story is not about that because uh, that was kind of like going to be my bull trout day. Uh, so we we're just kind of like messing around, and um, yeah, so we're just touring around the. Uh, the elk is what we were fishing the day and it was like a really like rainy day like the water was kind of dirty a bit um you know the weather was like eh it was like on and off sun and, and sun and rain so like dry flies were kind of off the menu and i'm like well this is an elk river day why don't we just uh throw some some streamers and like see what happens maybe we can pick up some cutthroat on streamers because the day before we were getting on dry flies and i'm like why not so uh we went to like the kind of like the top end of fernie so for those who don't know what it looks like, Fernie's a pretty small town. The Elk River kind of wraps around it and goes through it, and then, and then, and then off again. And um, like, there's a couple bridges that cross it. So this is like near like the the upper end, and there's like kind of like walking paths and all that kind of stuff around there because like you know everybody in BC is super outdoorsy and you know they just love being on the outside. So as well as actually like right beside a McDonald's which is like one of the most majestic like McDonald's. Like you're just like, I'm gonna go get a McChicken and you're just looking at like this huge mountain. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like this is like, this is the classiest McChicken I've ever eaten in my life. <laughs> but just so you know, like the proximity, I'm just trying to like paint a picture, like the proximity of like to the town, right? So we go to the bridge and we go on the upside, uh, on the upstream side of it. And we start like just, tossing some casts around and you know like maybe like 15 minutes like we 20 minutes like we're fishing it and we get into some some decent uh cutthroat and whatever and i'm like okay i gotta go i'm gonna go try another spot i'm gonna try to go downstream so i go up on this kind of like little path up across the bridge uh and before i get to the other side i run into this older dude and he starts, you know, chatting me up about, about fishing. And, you know, like, I don't know, like, when you're walking on past, sometimes, like, these conversations, like, oh, is there fishing here? Uh, you know, where's, where's your stringer of fish? And, uh, but, like, like, two to three minutes into talking to this guy, I'm like, this guy's, like, on point. Like, he knows what he's talking about. Like, 
And I'm like, okay, this could be a very interesting conversation. So like we get into it. I'm like this guy's in his like, I had to say late 60s, probably in the 70s, right? And um, it turns out he makes bamboo spay rods. And he was telling me all this stuff about like casting as a bamboo in like on the West Coast. And then I'd start talking where I'm from. He's like, oh man, I fished the credit in like the 60s and the 80s. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, how was it? He's like, I don't know. I didn't really fish it that much. But, but I went and visited the press. I'm like, like I was like dying to know like, oh my God, how was it back then? You know, like back in the day, I'm like, well, I got one of these guys, right? And like, he's like probably like way more into fishing than I am because like, you know, he's building bamboo spade. I'm like, who does that? <laughs> Anyways, so this whole time I'm talking to him, um, I got my buddy Matt like working through and working down. He uh, picks up a, a bull trout, right? And he's like, oh, it looks like your buddy got a fish. And then I just like, this is when like, the conversation, I'm like, oh, like it hurt, right? <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, he's got a fish. And then I'm like, he's like, it's a bull trout. I'm like, oh my God. And then, <laughs> so, so I keep talking to him, but I, I don't know if he can tell it's kind of like antsy or whatever. So we just start chatting for a bit more. And then he's like, you know what? Uh, you're a pretty nice uh, young man. Um, I, I, you know, I fish this area a lot. I'll give you a little, a little pointer. And I'm like, go on. And he tells me, like, okay, so you're going to go down over there. And uh, like, like I'm pointing to the thing. <laughs> uh, like, so there's like a little island. He's like, go to the point and then cast on an angle. And there's like a little bucket with, uh, with, uh, which usually holds some fish. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Thanks, dude. So like, I think his name was Sean. I'm like, nice, nice to meet you, John. It was a great chat. So we go down and then uh, I go to my buddy, man. I'm like, uh, I'm actually going to go try something over here. I don't know. You keep working that spot. Like, you know, just like totally trying to keep it low key. <laughs> so I got the streamer on, right? So I'm like just working my way across, working my way across. And like I pick up like, uh, like a 18, 20 inch uh, cutthroat, right? And I'm like, oh, that's nice. And then, you know, so I just keep working my down and it's like another one and another one. And I'm like, I'm not even in like, John's like little spot here. So I, I, I make it so like, I think I had like, if you take two or three by the time I go in. So I'm at the spot, I'm like, okay, I'm trying to read the water. It's like a little bit cloudy, but like, I think you can kind of see it. You kind of see like the darker, darker water. So I lob one cast in and then a 20 inch cutthroat. I'm like, oh my God, like John's point. I'm so glad I talked to this dude. It's like, it's like uh, it's like a video game, you know. You like talk to like some like person, like some old man in the village. Like, go on here, son. This is your quest. Like, this is what you're gonna do. So, like, um, I start casting out again, and I just like kind of mend. It's kind of like swinging, I guess, right? Like when you're going for bull trout up there. Like I find like we were casting out. So I just mend upstream and just kind of let it swing. And then all of a sudden, I just feel like weight. And I set the hook and I'm thinking it's another cutthroat. And like this thing just bends, I got a five weight on, just bends it over and just starts friggin' running. Right? So I'm like, oh my God, like this is this is the biggest cutthroat. I'm like, this is bull trout, it must be a bull trout. Cause it's kind of like fighting like a laker, which I, I never caught uh, bull trout up to that point, but they're like, you know, they fight like they dog like lakers. I'm like, oh, okay, sure, yeah, whatever. Um, so <laughs> I get the thing and I, I land it and it's like, a. It was like over 25, like a 25, 27 inch, like bull trout. And I'm just like, oh my God, you have to be kidding me. And uh, yeah, I like, I'm like trying to net it, but I have my brook trout next. I thought I was going for like cutties, right? So I have this like wooden net and then I don't know how it happened, but I go to net the thing and it just folds perfectly in half. So like, like the middle of the belt is like right at the bottom there. And it just, it just holds and I'm like, 
thank God, right? And then, uh, yeah, and then, you know, I took it on. I'm just like, you know, just like admiring it because, like, I mean, these bull trout are so, like, you know, it's like one of those things. It's like a Rocky Mountain thing and, you know, they're native. But, yeah, so that's that. That's that my bull trout story. So it's like, that, you know, just one of those moments are just, like, phenomenal. Just, like, absolutely phenomenal. And, like, totally unexpected, right? So... Now, there we go. That is an episode right there. Fly Fishing Houston with Ron McConnell. <laughs> <laughs> Your voice completely changes. <laughs> I'm trying to start doing the, doing a quiet reintroduction here because this comes after, of course, our new segment, Best Fishing Story Ever. And so it like gets really quiet. And then usually I come back in like, hey, there we go. There's another. And it's like, I'm sure I'm blowing people's. <laughs> Your drums and just making them mad driving oh, their cars. Right, right. You know? Of course, it makes sense. I kind of want to just quietly. Um, do in. you know whose story is on this episode? That's a good question. Although, let's see here. I can tell you right now who it'll. I be. mean, people are listening to this episode; they've already heard it, so this makes no sense to talk about. But that's let's right. Talk about I mean, it anyway. well, no, it was Josh. We would have had, it would have been Josh, where who, who was our Josh friend. Josh on the fly. Josh on the fly. Yeah, up here he's. Uh, so of course a friend of Oz and uh, <laughs> he uh, he had a best fishing story ever, which was a fun little fun little nice little story. And so was uh, it about me? Uh, no, I don't think oh, so. Well, I also can't okay. totally remember what it was about, but of course we would have just heard it. And so there we go. We recorded it back in the like around Halloween last year in twenty twenty two. Love it. So. Best best story ever. ever. Well, that's cool. I uh, I think Houston sounds rad. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. Uh, Robert's cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. Very it's a lot of fun. work to put. Like, this book is th- it's thick. A, yeah. It's a ton of information. That's what I mean. It's like, you know, I know when we logged off, we were just chatting about, man, there's so much stuff you can talk about. Cause it's like, yeah, look at the book. You know, like, you could go on like a phone book. You could have like a six hour podcast. So it's, you know, I mean, we try our best to kind of cover the top thing. But you know what? I feel like even if you don't live in Houston or even if you're not going to fish in Houston, like a book like this has got value because it's like one fun to read about all fishing. Yep. Two, um, you'll probably pick up some tactics and tricks you can use, you know, in your home waters. For sure. Um, so, you know, it's just like fun to to kind of read about these places, especially if you don't go because it's sort of like, I don't know. And then you could show up to a fly tying night with your buddies and just start like breaking out information about Houston. They'll be like, what the hell is this guy? Like, this guy knows his shit. <laughs> you know, like she's, she's like on top of her game. She's talking about Houston fly fishing. Like we're in, you know, northern Alberta. What the heck you talking about houston huh so grab the book and <laughs> give it a read why don't you <laughs> what do we got going on we're um honestly dude in a, a pretty cool place right now when the show comes out well yeah we'll be traveling there yeah and where are we going man we a couple weeks ago i was like although i just texted him like i really want to catch a tarpon like just a, just a little one huh? yeah okay can we unpack that you a know? little bit yeah but, you know because you know one day Mm-hmm. On this podcast, you announced, and I'm, it's funny because I'm wearing a red. It's fish. thematic because yeah. I'm wearing the hat. Yeah. You announced, you said, "I really want to catch a redfish." Yeah. The next day, yeah. Well, sorry, the day after we aired that show, Matt Dodson, Captain Matt Dodson, yeah, emailed us and said, "Well, why don't you come don't to you Rockport, come Texas, one. yeah, and why don't you come catch one, Mitchie?" Yeah. And then we did, and that was 2018. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 19. 19. Yeah, and then 19? this one, yeah, 19. And then this one was, uh, yeah, it was like, I just want to catch a tarpon. 
But what, you're like, did you did you see a post or I was scrolling you... through Instagram and yeah, I saw I think it was uh Chloe? I think it was uh um no um um Fly Fishing International. It was Dan, right? I'm trying to Dan? remember Dan it might Dan? have been Dan. I'm trying to remember who Dan posted a banging video it of might, it might have been going that, actually, absolutely yeah. nuclear. It might have been Dan Favato. Or it was Eland. It was somebody that posted like a recent <laughs> tarpon. Eland's dribbling, maybe. Maybe Dan, maybe Elon. I don't know. But or FFI. But um which by the way, FFI, um, you should check out their magazine because uh, you know, they've just been basically putting out content. Um and uh, their socials also like they've got some really cool stuff going on, you know. Dan um, is flying oh, and of course this is Dan the Fisher on YouTube and at Fly Inspired. Yeah. We could spend some time with them in the Bahamas last year. Um Dan's flying around the world pretty much nonstop. Yeah, taking it's just getting content. wicked content. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, so I mean, you know, uh, you know, uh, G- G- uh, Fly Fishing International magazine has got, uh, of course, the um, winter issue out, winter twenty twenty three, volume three. Um, so go give that a, a look see because it's got some really cool content in it, um, and it's just yeah, it's like like you said, Dan's like capturing some great stuff. Of course, it's got all kinds of sweet writers in there doing all kinds of cool stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some really cool articles from Greg Thomas, Dave Krasinski, who we got to fish with in uh, um, the Bahamas. Um, yeah. yeah. So you saw forward, Alex Dan's post. You saw holiday. a tarpon. I saw a tarpon, and uh-huh. I... Actually, I'm looking at uh, FFI Magazine right now, and I'm seeing a picture of Dan with a grayling, which is pretty freaking cool. Um Oh yeah, it looks like he did a little bit of an article on. Oh, this is by Sam. Oh man, there's a picture of there's a picture of Gil with a fly rod in his mouth, just like roping in a grayling. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, it's a whole article on grayling. That's another fish. So actually, before I know, I'm getting really well, sidetracked. You are spinning out of control. I want to catch a grayling Task. now. <laughs> I really want to catch a grayling. Okay, well, scrap the Florida trip. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a picture of a tarpon on Instagram. I was like, I want to go catch a tarpon. All those like, let's go to, my, to the Keys on this the long weekend here in Ontario, and I was like. Yeah, let's go. I know you were really stoked on going somewhere ice fishing, but I was like, well, we got the time. And ice fishing season kind of sucks this year. Like, it's just like the weather's not good enough, you know? Like, But it's know. turning into a thing. It's turning into a thing because then, um, you know, I was like, hey, work, you know? Like, can I work maybe from there one day, you know? And they're like, that's weekend's the Miami boat show. Why don't you just go to that for two days? Cause- and why is that important? Like, what's work for you? Of course, because I work on uh, boats and I work on like sea do and I work on uh, you know doing all kinds of cool stuff for Alumacraft and BRP, you know. So um, yeah, they're like, why don't you go check out the Miami Boat Show? It's like one of the biggest in the world. I'm like, go do that. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm super down okay. for that. That's sick. So they're like, then- why don't you go for two days? I was like, great. So I'm gonna go down there and uh, which is fun because you could talk to like um, actually I went to the Toronto Boat Show this weekend too and. Um, Met one of the Sea-Doo ambassadors, Manuel, who's uh, who fishes on Sea-Doo's in Miami, and it's uh, insanely awesome. Like the stuff he does is so cool. He's deep sea fishing on a Sea-Doo, like pulling in mahi, and like that's oh awesome. God, it's really cool. So um, yeah, but yeah. So it started to turn into a bit of a thing. And now we just heard from we did some emailing around. We yeah. heard back from our friends at Costa. They're going to be there. Yeah, and so we're going to go hang out with them. So yeah, if this is coming out. And you're listening. We're going to Miami right now. 
we're going there right now. Check out so our if Instagram. You're, we're if be you're posting. at the Miami Boat Show, yeah, go meet Mitchie. Yeah, find me. I'm going to be walking around just like looking at boats, like confused, alone, and just looking at boats. And uh, yeah, so if you are in Miami, then yes, hit us up. Send us a message yeah. uh, at the Soulflaker on Instagram. And, yeah. Hey, maybe we could even go f- do a little fishing. Do a little that fishing, yeah, yeah. Have a cocktail or something. Yeah, you know? we're planning on, uh, you know, we're meeting uh, a, f- a former podcast guest. Dr. Ross. Dr. Ross uh, Bochek. Bochek? Bochek? Yeah. Fuck. Sorry, Ross. I'm stoked. Sorry, doctor. <laughs> I'm stoked to meet up. And with we're going to go fish for the day and then, you know, awesome. hopefully, you know, get you. We want to get Mitchie that tarpon. I want to catch tarpon. Just a little mangrove. I mean, little, you know, like they're still like big yeah. but i want to catch one so bad they're so cool yeah, and then just no. everything else like just it'd be it's gonna be sick i'm so dude, excited dude you're gonna like you, you've never been there before right no, no you're gonna love miami i love miami it's, it's so cool like, we're staying on miami good, beach like me and you such could a just good go, town like, to eat and, and drink yeah. and and obviously the access to the ocean is like immediate and we've got ourselves a little convertible we rented so we can drop down <laughs> to the Keys because we're going to go to Isla Morada as well. Um, and so, yeah. Oh, you're going to have such a blast, especially because you love daiquiris so much. And, oh, man. We've been ooh, drinking baby. a lot of daiquiris. But, uh, you know, Mitchie. We're trying to cut back tarpon. on the sugar, but, man. Get not that, that weekend. tarpon. Yeah. So, so, you know, stay tuned. Let's see if we can uh, fulfill the uh, the tarpon uh, I mean, and quest. to be honest, like, you have never caught a jack you've never caught a bear oh. there's a lot of things you can knock off the list in yeah. florida yeah yeah no i'd love to catch a jack i'd love to just fish whatever so mm-hmm. it'll be fun and it'll be warm we can mm-hmm. go swimming we can walk on the beach mm-hmm. feel the sand in our tootsies so that's um, what's going on for SoFly. yeah, yeah. go meet mitch at the miami boat show if you're the miami international boat Show. yeah the mib mib um <laughs> you know you might see us at the costa booth mm-hmm. uh so yeah that's Let's where we're it. gonna be come say hi yeah um yeah and then Other than uh, that, uh i think we'll you know end of march mm-hmm. uh you know we've got our event with coup d'etat our second of the bespoke series yep so look for that on our at sofly.ca and yeah come make a premium leather fly wallet because uh, that'll be fucking sick awesome that's gonna be so fun then, the first event was awesome this one's gonna be great oh my god it was so much fun yeah um that's pretty much what's going on. You know, February's, uh, you know, not a whole lot going on. Yep. Fishing-wise, I mean, we're yeah. working on a lot of stuff. I am going uh, ice fishing this weekend. But Oh, uh, shit, really? Yeah. Where? Just in Ottawa, but, you know, we'll see how it is. Apparently, there's Don't lots fall of, like... Through. I know, there's lots of, like, water and snow on the ice, you know, so it's, like, a pain to walk around, blah, 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 you know. Just thinking about Miami, baby. Me and you in that red convertible just cruising Miami <laughs> Beach, you know, looking for fish and turban, whatever. Like, it's gonna be awesome. You get you get your Hawaiian shirts packed? Oh, you better believe I got some Hawaiian shirts back. Do we make a SoFly Hawaiian shirt? That's a great idea. We should do that. Matching. We've got two weeks. Me and you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much the gist of things. Uh yeah, keep an eye out for a Cuda Ted event. Um keep an eye out for um Miami content. We'll do a podcast about that too. Um, For sure. And then people, uh, you know, looking ahead to April, uh, we just got the notification from Rob at Drift Outfitters, but the IF4 is back. We are, you know, Drift Outfitters is getting back to uh, screening the IF4. It's going to be at the Review Cinema in Roncesvalles. uh, Oh, uh, sweet. Sunday... April 2nd. It's an awesome, like, old cinema. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Really cool. you know, uh, we don't really need that many. Oh, that's details. right by uh, coup de tete. Coup de tete. Yeah. Oh. There's not really many details right now, um, other than the fact that it's two o'clock, April second, 
tickets i'm sure will go on sale at the drift outfitters website i'm sure if, yeah. you know if you want you can go check out at drift outfitters or driftoutfitters.ca um you know rob and the team there are going to put that on and that's awesome that's always a fun event oh yeah getting yourself stoked for the season yeah yeah so definitely go check that out i mean that event always gets pretty busy um people love going to check that out so you know get your ticks don't sleep on that one um cool well that was a a fabulous show thank you everybody so much for listening um we hope that you're all having a wonderful winter wherever you are in the world and uh maybe you're even getting it wet in the line (laughs) you'll feel better that's it for me mitch although uh bye everybody and uh yeah thanks again robert thanks again Rob. one love one love one love (laughs) two love (laughs) two love no one love one love one love you can find all of our content at SoFly.ca. Reach out via email by sending your questions or comments to info at SoFly.ca. Find us on Instagram at the SoFly Crew. Thanks for listening.